You're listening to Find the Outside, the podcast. I'm Tuesday Ryanhart. And I'm Tim Merry. This week on the podcast, we're going to talk about power. I got the power! <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Sings, so, sings, sings the white man. Yeah, it's, and it's... <laughs> it was perfect yeah, it, in so many ways, it was wasn't it? So it was close to what it sounded like. Absolutely. I mean, it just took me right back there. Yeah. I was like about yeah. to drink an old natty light and go dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know what a natty. What's a natty light? A natty natty light. It's uh, it's one of those piss beers, you know. Like there was um, old Milwaukee. You mean which like they Budweiser? Worse. Wow. Worse. Yeah. So natural light and then Milwaukee's best were the two in college that you could get super cheap, and one was called the Beast and one was just called Natty Light. Natty so. Light. Yeah, Ooh, let's get like a dirty pack of Natty Light. Go dancing! I got the power. Exactly. Except I was always a lightweight, and so it was like, give me a beer and a half, and I'm good for the night. So nice, nice. Even, even the cheap ones. Anyway, so today, <laughs> friends, this is exactly where Tim and I are today. It's going to be a podcast. It's just uh, about us toward the end of the year, slowing down and ready to. Ready to go on vacation, but still wanting to do a couple more things before we head out the door. Absolutely. Great. Right? Right. So we decided we wanted to do a podcast today on power because actually as we were getting ready uh, to release a new course online, a new online course called Shared Work, uh, we were going through um, all the videos and the resources and, and linking podcasts. And I realized we have never done a podcast on power. We talk about power all the time. We work with power all the time, but we've actually never done a podcast about power itself. And so it just felt like maybe it was time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so central to everything we do. I mean, like we say we center equity, but power is playing out as one of the major forces that impacts our work, whether that's kind of like positional hierarchical power, whether that's influential power, um, whether that's how power has been distributed historically and therefore is playing out between peoples in the room. Um, I mean, like power, it's like never not part of the conversation, is it? It isn't. It isn't. And we talk about power as if it's like a thing, which of course it is. But one of the things that when we're doing teaches on power, we talk about is like, Power is not power is not power. There are different kinds of power. Mm. And so it's worth just being a little precise when we say power, because, of course, uh, folks have different not only definitions, but understandings, perceptions, experiences, and they have different connotations when we use the word power. And so I just want to put forth a little bit like when we're talking about power, we're talking about multiple different kinds of power. And so just really quickly going to run down some different kinds of power that I learned about in social work school. Right. So. It was a um, in my macro level social work class, right? So this is talking about um, uh, not the individual, right? We're talking about intergroup or structural or systemic power when we talk about these different kinds of power. And so what I learned in social work school, uh, and of course there are many different ways of thinking about this, but there were kind of three major kinds of power. And the first is the kind of power we tend to think about, which is power over right? So one group has more power than another group. They have um, a disproportionate amount of power and often they use that power um, unethically uh, all the way to the point of genocide over another group of people, right? So one group has power and one group does not have power, right? So we would be talking about things like race, 
right? So white folks have more power than people of color. We might be talking about gender. Men have more power than women. We could be talking about um, heterosexism. Straight folks have more power than those in the LGBTQI community, right? Class. So if class, exactly. Those who are upper class have more power than those in middle class have more power than those in the lower classes. So class gets a little more gradation, right? Um, we could be talking about ability, right? So any kind, any form of oppression, when we talk about that, we're talking about power over it. There is one group that has more and then one group that has less. And again, we're talking about groups. So don't don't come at me talking about a bunch of black people have power. Yeah, that's true. It's not that black people, some black people in this world don't have power, right? We're just talking about as a group in general in North America, if we were to put out power, we would not only be talking about black folks and white folks, we'd be talking about other groups of color, right? So we're talking about Latinx folks, we'd be talking about Asian folks who have proportionally less power than white folks. And that power is played out uh, interpersonally in discrimination or organizationally in discrimination, but it's also played out structurally where um, folks have less access to resources. I mean, we talked about this on the equity podcast, right? right. So not only do people have no, no access, but they often not only have n- not only lack access to the good stuff, but actually have bad stuff happening to mm. them. So police brutality, um, lowered lifespan. So that's kind of power over, right? Uh, and we can have that certainly interpersonally, right? A boss has more power than the person they supervise, right? A funder has more power than the people that they give funds to, right? So so that's kind of power over. And often when we talk about power, that's kind of shorthand what we mean. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, at least for me, when I was a young man, was like that was the first analysis of power I had. That was when, you know, I came through my school, the justice system, uh, my family, and I got out the other side and I was like, this doesn't fucking work right? This doesn't get me what I want. This isn't the kind of mm-hmm. life I want to either strive to attain or like this hasn't worked for me. There's got to be something else, you know? Right. And then I discovered the work of Augusto Boal and his participatory theater work. And then that led into the art of hosting and participatory leadership and hosting conversations that matter that then led into our work. But it was like, the, you know, it was a, as a young man, it was a kickback against that kind of power that actually initiated the investigation into, well, how do we lead differently? How do we solve problems differently? You know? Right. Right. And I think, um, so that's interesting. I think what I would now move into, just as you talked about your own trajectory, I would say that I moved from an understanding of power over, which we talked a lot about in uh, domestic and sexual violence to seeking a model of power with or power for. So I think that I want to talk about power for first. Um, and when we talk about power for that's, that's the advocacy model, right? It's like, I have power and I will use it on your behalf, right? So this is the ally or advocate model. So as a person who worked in um, family violence, who was a therapist, right? I could use my voice. I could use my understanding of the dynamic to advocate on behalf of those who were experiencing that lack of power. So I did things like testify in court cases, or I trained other people, or, um, you know, my, my boss would go testify, um, 
in uh, in the state house about like what's actually happening, right? So you use the power you have on behalf of other folks, right? So it's kind of a, a good advocacy ally model. It says, I'm actually aware that I have more power than you in this situation, and I'm going to use it ethically and on your behalf. And that, you know, so we can kind of look at power over and see kind of the inherent danger and evil that can come from that. It can be a little more challenging with power four, because often that's coming from a place of of goodness or good intent. How about that? Good yeah. intent. Um, but it's a really slippery slope to have power for other folks, because often then we're, we become gatekeepers or uh, having power for on behalf of someone else becomes about feeding our own ego or um, it's just real slippery because we're still we're kind of the intermediary. We're kind of a power broker between those who don't have and those who have. And so that's a really can be a very challenging place to keep your ethics and to keep your ego in check. Um, and of course, we need people who are very willing to use their power on behalf of others. That is a major way that change happens, but it's it's just something for us to track and to be aware of if we're doing and that. You, like just marching and campaigning. I mean, as I'm listening to you and like just trying to translate into my own little life and thinking about like going on anti-Nazi league marches in London when I was a kid. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and like, is that kind of like a, is that a form of power for? Well, I think it depends. If you were doing it on behalf of other folks, I suspect your Nazi League action was actually you didn't want Nazis to take over your neighborhood as well, right? So just to, I mean, like if you were doing it on behalf of the folks that Nazis were targeting, yeah, no, it was more like say yes, yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah, I think that that's a way. I think Tim, um, the way that you will um, interrupt. I mean, we saw it this week. The way you'll interrupt people on a call and give me Mm. space. Mm. on the call, right? To be like, oh, Tuesday, what do you think about that? Just so I'm not um, kind of marginalized in the call is a way of using power for. I think certainly often we're marching on our own behalf, but when we're marching on behalf of others as well, then sure, absolutely, that's power for. Lots of good places for that. Lots of good places for that. Um, And then the third kind of power that I learned about was power with, right? Which is... is, um, I'm going to use my power and you're going to, these are coalitions. These are collaboratives, right? We're going to use our power together to move something forward. I'm going to either share my power with you or you have power in a different way. And we're going to, we're going to have power together to move something forward, action and agenda. You'll see this a lot in coalitions of folks. So, uh, and you know, we do this work all the time in multi-stakeholder work, right? Or or have when it's outside of an organization, right? So we'll see things like, um, you know, we're going to, oh, um, we, oh, I can think of a great example at uh, Burning Man this year, right? So my camp was a people of color camp, mm-hmm. right? So interested in um, uh, making Burning Man much more aware of the, the racism and um, and how it's conceived and enacted. And one of our um, a camp, like right next door, was a camp for deaf burners, right? And so they joined deaf, folks who were hard of hearing right. or deaf. And they, and so they joined the march, and it was really a march around racism, and a march, and and, and so we started talking about broader inclusion as well. Right. And so with you know they joined with, and so our numbers were bigger, our agenda was bigger, um, and so 
that moved, you know, so that's kind of power with this collaborative power, right? So you'll see, you know, different environmental organ. We just got asked to do something this week with different environmental organizations on an island to bring all of the environmental organizations together. This is a kind of power that we tend to think of quite highly, right? So if we can, and and it's great, right? When we can share power and and use our power to amplify each other's, um, I think uh, uh, one of the pitfalls or dangers here can be, it can actually make us uh, quite transactional with each other. How are we going to use, like, if you use your power on your behalf, I'll use my power on your behalf. Things like signing MOUs when people go to get grants. Of course, I'll sign your grant, you'll sign mine. It actually doesn't mean anything about relationship or sharing power. Um, or um, we got all these people to say, I remember once um, I, I, a large consulting company who like does progressive work contacted me and said, hey, we, you know, we'd like to have you on this project. And we talked a lot about my ideas and, and they wrote me into the grant and then I never heard from them again. And they got the grant. Right. So like it kind of looked like they were collaborating with me, but they weren't. So often that also happens. Like there's a lot of talk of collaboration at the onset of getting funding, but then no collaboration and implementation. And so uh, uh, power with, again, the notion is really good. It can become really problematic when that becomes transactional. Our relationship actually is about leveraging your power and not about relationships at all. So I first heard about these concepts um, uh, through a therapeutic lens, actually, which is called transactional analysis. Mm. Right, mm. which uses, uses exactly the same words as you, but it's it's really cool. I mean, I've heard you kind of talk through this before, obviously, but like it's it's just like oh yeah, and so I think even you can find a lot of these patterns that you're talking about in very kind of like interpersonal relationship mm-hmm. spaces as much as mm-hmm. you can kind of like play them out within team dynamics, organizational dynamics, societal mm-hmm. historical contexts. So these are very these are you know this these this is language and an analysis or that can help you help us understand kind of wherever power is turning up in our world right whether it be on like deeply personal right. stuff or trying to look at a very big picture of what's going on in my community my society my world right exactly exactly that's exactly right and of course like you said we can find i can look at um which parts of me have power for which other parts of me, but you know, which parts are advocating or which parts have power over. Um, and inevitably when I share some of this out loud, people say, well, what about personal power and empowerment? And you're not thinking about what each person has to take accountability for. And the, and, and of course there's an element of personal power. There's no doubt, um, that getting, getting in tune with our own power, uh, getting comfortable with our own power, thinking about personal transformation and empower and power is incredibly important. And that still exists within this context of power in, in a larger societal or structural way. So the ways I've said it in the past is actually doesn't I can evolve and transform and be as um, aligned with my own power as I want. I still at this moment in North America have a very different future than you mm. still do. Yeah. Right. So it's it's like it, power plays out on multiple levels. And so when we talk about that, we're more talking more talking about non not um, personal, but of course it applies. And then, you know, one of the things, one of the things I've, I've been stretched to grow and think about, um, is even power over power with power for all of those feel to me to be inherently, um, zero sum game seem to be inherently or could move to transactional. I have some, I give it to you. I have some, I use it on behalf of you. I have more than you. I use it ethically. All those things are really good. And I just wonder, and we've talked about this, like I just wonder about our inherent 
conception of power? Like, is there something that says power actually is limitless? And so could we begin to conceive or unlimited, whatever, you, whatever the right word is, that could we actually begin to conceive that, Tim, if you have more power, I have more power, not in a trickle down way, right? It's not like you give it to me, but like um, in, a, in an actual just reframing our thinking about power. And I've started to call that power among, like, is there power that actually rests among us that we can tap into that is unlimited? Right. And so just like, and I see you pick it up. And so I pick it up. And like, it's like, it's just, it's a different concept that we've just kind of worked with. I, I experience it in the arts a lot, um, that artists take up their pen or their brush or their mic and I feel more power and it's nothing, it's nothing they gave or did, or, you know, it's just like, so there's also, I just wonder as we talk about power, if there's a way to begin, maybe not today, but I just wanted to seed that idea that there's something inherently limited in the way we think about power that I, I'm asking us to break open. We sometimes do this exercise with groups that we, um, it's like a physical, it's an old theater exercise where everybody's walking around and then they all have to stop at exactly the same time, but no one tells them when, right, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and you practice it a few times and people get better at it, you know, they get better at the ability, you know, and you've kind of got a confined space, usually there's a circle of chairs or something, people are walking around it and they walk around and, and there's no talking, and then you all stop at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of upgrade the game. Like, We're all going to stop at the same time. We're all going to start at the same time. Um, but what begins to happen is that people start getting tuned into each other enough mm-hmm. that that begins to just mm-hmm. take place. People actually just start stopping at the same time and starting at the t- same time without anyone telling them when to do it or how to do it. You know? Right. And uh, mm-hmm. and then often afterwards, we'll ask people, you know, oh, what was the difference, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you know, awareness connectivity intuition i mean there's all kinds of lovely stuff that comes out you know and then one of the other questions we ask mm-hmm. is where else do you see this in nature you know right. people talk about shoals of fish you know those amazing starling videos you always see on a certain type of year on facebook or whatever you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. hives would be sports teams arts you right. know where right. something becomes so in sync right? Mm-hmm. That people aren't turning to one singular place within their system for power. Mm-hmm. Right? right? And so I don't know, just for the first time hearing you talk about power among there, I just, I just thought about that little game. And I thought about shoals of fish, you know, and mm-hmm. I thought about that there's actually something just innate, something quite natural. Yeah. about and i know we're being quite philosophical here but i think we have to be to be able to then mm-hmm. think about how we apply you know yeah. but there's something quite innate something quite natural about power among do you know what i mean like yeah like i mean i think often mm-hmm. you and i talk about it like something that's we're just beginning to see in our work but actually like maybe we're seeing it everywhere you know, I feel like that might be the case because when we bring this to groups, there is like a, yeah, like no one says no way. No one says that's not possible. No one says that's not happening. Like we might, we might struggle to find examples of it, but almost everyone can. And like, so it's, it's, I wonder if it's like this invisible thing that's happening. It's just like bringing our awareness to it, to be able to amplify it. And maybe it is because it would be part of the natural world like so much of what we bring tim is actually this is already occurring it's in nature it's what's happening 
We just have to bring our attention to it. Like that's a lot of our teaching. And so it does make me wonder if power among might be like part of that. Right. And so much of the training that we're getting Mm -hmm. is into these models and forms that we have to learn. Like, you know, like so uh, hierarchy, bureaucracy, circles, you know, but like, and so there's something about that. I think that's another consistent piece of our work around power, but around many things, which is like, oh, there may actually be like human default settings we can return Mm to. mm -hmm. It may not actually be something we need to learn. Mm -hmm. It may be something we already know that we've just layered other stuff over, you know? So like Manish often will talk about the amount of unlearning we need to do to be able to access. Manish Jain is a colleague and friend of ours. Uh, You would often talk about a lot of the the unlearning that needs to take place. But I wonder if there isn't something about, as I heard you talking about Power Among today, that is just way more accessible than we think it might be. You know, remember I told that story about the the, uh, elder in Hawaii, you know, and people were, remember this? I I, I think I told it on the podcast. Say it again. People may not remember. Yeah, you know, we were working in Hawaii, this event beyond sustainability. And uh, and we went to one of the hulas and met with one of the Hawaiian elders there. Um, and uh, and he was like, you know, don't come here and take mine. Go find your own in terms of indigeneity and indigenous knowledge and tradition. And someone from Europe, from England, actually was like, well, what if it was wiped out 1500 years ago by the Romans? You know, like, what if our indigeneity has been destroyed? And he just burst out laughing and said, go light a fire, go whistle a tune. It's a lot closer than you think, you know? Mm. And I wonder if that isn't true about a fundamental change in how we relate to power. Right. You know? Absolutely. I love it. I I love it. You know, I think I want to ask you about folks' allergy to power, but I just want to pause here and say, uh, I think maybe we should have a, Cindy Suarez on the podcast, she just did something called the power manual and it's all about managing complex power dynamics. And, you know, I, mm. I, I know her and we could talk with her about what she thinks about power and what she's uncovering because what she did was she talked to a lot of different people uh, for a lot of different concepts. Okay, Cindy, this is an official uh, invitation. I'll be following up with you on that. Uh, we'd love to have you on. How about that? <laughs> and we are going to be releasing a we're releasing a series of uh, online courses over 2020, and one of them is going to be around That's power. Right. So Wouldn't that be, be great? To, be fun to get. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So I want you to talk to me about your understanding of people's allergies to power, or why people like get like this is not an easy topic necessarily to talk about. What do you think that's about? Uh, well, I mean, I think just power in general has been misused uh, pretty consistently mm-hmm. um, and therefore has become untrustworthy. Mm. And so if I think about my own life, I mean, it wasn't until really I bumped into Tolka Muller in my early mid-20s where I was like, oh, here's a man who's at least like really attempting to wield his power with some mm, kind of integrity. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, it wasn't what I had around me at school or what I saw around me in my community or my family so much, you know? And so, um, and so I don't think there's, I think there's quite a dearth yeah. of people who are wielding power with consciousness and mm. integrity, you know? And so I think as a result, there's a lot of suspicion, you, you know, and I think that's true of our day-to-day lives, but I think it's also true of our historical context that we're working in, you know, whether we have been on the receiving end of highly abusive and oppressive 
colonialization or whether we've been on the delivery end, mm-hmm. you know, which me and my ancestors have been, you know, we're fully aware of the abuse of power, you know? So I think, so I think the distrust of power is uh, a completely valid feeling. Yeah, I do. And, um, uh, cause it's got precedent. It's got a good, good historical yeah. precedent. And for most of us, I would say immediate precedent from our own lives where we've encountered people or situations or institutions that have abused their power for their own gain and their own benefit. And in many ways haven't served us, whether that be education systems, justice systems, healthcare systems, family systems, whatever it might be. So I think there's a good precedent. I think there's good. I think we all have good life experience that validates our distrust of power, you know, Um, or I'll stop there because I've got other things to say, but I want to hear what you might have to add. I think that's true. I think that's true. And I, yeah, when we're fortunate, we see power wielded well and with love and care. Um, And that's for so many of us, not the case. Um, And what that brings to me is, you know, so maybe we have, so um, maybe this is like, oh, so our only conception of power is a corruption of power or power misused. And then that makes me wonder, and, and all of the examples you gave were out there. Right. So I'm really curious about our own understanding. You know, I know I said that we're not talking about personal power, but like when you said that, I I also wonder if part of our allergy of talking to power is like keeping it out there. That's what those folks do. Like, um, what do I do with my power? How do I interrogate my own use of power over, with, and for? Um, And because if you don't have a good model, it's actually quite hard to determine how will I use this? What is that? What does that look like? And so instead, I can just pretend I don't have any and wield it unconsciously, or I can just pretend it's happening out there and again, wield it unconsciously. I mean, we see this all of the time, right? Folks who are kind of fighting the good fight externally and then like internally, either they're a wreck or they're treating their people, you know, terribly. And so it just also occurs to me that there might be an, I I feel like you bring this all of the time when we talk about power is like fear of our own use of power keeps us actually from some real conversations and some real change is we're not willing to like understand, understand it and how we wield it um, I, with and for and against others and also internally, right? Like I can, you know, I think the, the person I use my power against the most probably inappropriately is myself, right? Yeah. No, you're not yeah. going to, you know, like, no, you're not going to eat that. Or no, that's dumb. Why would you say that? Or you know, just like all the things we do where we use our own power against ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I definitely found, um, like, interestingly enough, like it, the, the more I engaged through my work with people who held positions that I perceived as powerful, mm-hmm. You know, the more I had to deal with all my own issues around power, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and so suddenly when I'm sitting in rooms with deputy ministers or ministers or CEOs or director generals or chief of staffs or whatever it is, you know, and I'm realizing that I'm arriving with a fundamental distrust of all of these mm-hmm. people without even having met right. them. Right. Yeah. Don't yeah. know them, but just because of the position they hold and the power it wields, as a default, I don't trust 100%. them. Not a single freaking one. Not a single one. You know, purely because of the position they hold. Yeah. Right. You know, that's an indicator to me that I have worked. Yeah. To 
you know, and that was an, I mean, I did, and I went and got, I went into a therapy, some therapeutic work about my relationships to power and, and like what it comes that what it came down to was like my fear of my own power, you know, will power corrupt? If I truly trust my own power and my own strength, will it corrupt me? I don't trust my own power because I am afraid my power will corrupt me and turn me into some like psychopathic, arrogant nut job you know, who's running around hurting yeah. everybody, you know? And so <laughs> there's a real, right? There's a real piece of like, I've got to, I have to find some peace with the CEO inside yeah. of me. Yeah. I have to find some comfort with that part of me. I have to find some trust in my own ability to wield my own power with authority, but also care, Yeah, you know, yeah. to then be able to work effectively with those in society who are wielding power, you know, at least for me, it's, you know, it was a very personal journey to be able to step up my game, to be able to do the next level of work I was invited to at that time. Um, So I have kind of two, I have a number of thoughts in response. One is I just had to smile. I think I laughed when you said, I'm just not a psychopath running around hurting people with my own power. I just had to laugh and I just wanted to say like, oh, friend, like you're really far from that. And, <laughs> and, you know, you have people who have your back who would tell you if you were, but then, but then yeah. my other response was like, and oh, frick, we're all that. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the other right. truth. Um, at some points that's all of us. So that's, that was kind of one of the things that made me smile. And then the other thing I was thinking about was um, like, aren't we though? Like, oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel yeah. like all the time I'm sending you a text like, Ugh, oh, I'm so sorry. I was so grumpy. Like, you know what I mean? And you're just like, it was fine. You know, like, it's fine. It's all fine. Like, we're all like, most of us are doing the best we can. And, and, and a little more awareness can only help. Um, mm-hmm. And I was thinking that, uh, I was thinking about you, like you showing up into those rooms, because of course, as you started to showing up in those rooms, and you were having your own kind of inquiry, um, I started showing up in those rooms too and uh, had, I think, a different kind of empathy or inquiry. I think for sure um, I showed up in those rooms not trusting, um, not being clear on intention. Um, and 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 really because of societal positioning and probably some internal, interpersonal things too, like actually not feeling um, – uh, not feeling worth being in those rooms. And as soon as I'm like Mm. caught in that, right? Like, oh, you have more power than me, so you're not trustworthy. Oh, you have more power than me. I don't deserve to be here, right? Both of those, Mm. like both of those places, I can't be helpful. I actually can't, like, so the thing I want to do in this world, which is shift power, right? Which is to make the world more equitable, to make a, a, um, uh, to, to have a discourse and action to actually redress these, these, uh, this inequity. Like I can't actually be in that room if well and help you if I don't believe you at all, if I don't trust you. I mean, like, sure. I, I mean, that, I mean, there's an advocacy place and that's fine. And I can do some of that, but the kind of work we do, if I don't trust you and I don't feel worth being in the room, I can't be helpful. And then therefore I can't do my work. And so I have to look at my own power. I have to get comfortable with it. And I remember, um, Last year, I just had this moment in a room with senior leaders. I was like, oh, shit, they're listening to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. 
I got it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was like, okay. And I was like, and I just had a moment of like, yeah. And you know, like the follow up moment was like, yeah. And I, you know, I deserve to be here. I know some things, right? But it just like took a moment, like this whole like, you know, it matters. It matters. It matters. Um, our own personal relationship to power really matters in these rooms if we want to do the things we think Big time. we say that we want to do. And it's funny, you know, because it's not that we can't do that work, right? It's just been what, at least what I found, say we, what, what I found was that um, I was spending so much of my time and energy managing my own anxiety or my mm-hmm. own judgment. Mm-hmm. I was having to do so much work around letting go Right. just to be bloody present yeah right like it was exhausting yeah it was exhausting because i had to manage my own anxiety about not being good enough yeah I used to have to manage all of my judgments about all of the people in the room so much about judgment. them just being bad people before i've even met them yeah yeah do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like all of that was like noise that i was managing that disabled me from able to be present and be with them mm-hmm. and so there was an enormous amount of effort and energy before during and after that went in to managing and distributing and letting go and working right. with all of that so i could just be there you know yeah. and so it ended up being exhausting that's right? right and and you know to that point we couldn't be helpful but also to the point we couldn't can't we okay i'll say i like you're right i statements like i can't be <laughs> i can't be helpful but also yes, I, Tuesday, speak from the eye exactly let me <laughs> i, I, I want to speak for you no way <laughs> but like i also think like we can't see clearly so i'm thinking about because as you were saying that i was thinking and and getting through all of that noise being helpful doesn't mean that it's the right room for us to be in. Like there's still that right. discernment, but we can't see oh, it yeah. clearly. We can't see it clearly if we're just in our head about power and right. like what that means. So I'm thinking about um, some work that we turned down a couple of years ago now, where actually I think we went in very, I'm going to use the word soft. That's just like the word I'm using right now with like, with like noticing our judgment saying we're still going to be with these folks for two days. Let's put the judgment aside and we can Mm. pick it up when we leave the room. Let's actually Mm. see what they're about. Right. So rather than kind of going in armed for bear, right. Into this organization that kind of like had all sorts of red flags for both of us. Like, okay, it's two days. Let's just see what we do and see what we learn. And actually I think that that I, I went into that room totally prepared to do long-term work with them. Mm. I think we saw them clearly and we left the room saying, "Mm, probably not. That yeah. actually isn't where we want to be, right? You know, in terms and and it oh, was absolutely of where about they power. wanted to be. Like once we got under right. the hood and understood what they really were seeking to achieve and what the audacity of what we would want to achieve if we would work with them, we were like, "There's not a fit. It's just There's, not a fit." But had we gone in with all sorts of judgment, because this is a very powerful organization, oh, yeah. lots of resources, lots of money, right? We could yeah. have just said like, oh, you're not a fit and we're better than you. Or yeah. like, you have to be a fit because we want to align and move power. Do you know what I mean? Like that, but yeah. that like all of that dialogue could have kept us from seeing clearly. I hope we were helpful to them in what we did. Yeah. And if yeah. not, you know. Well, all of the evaluations were very good Tuesday, if I remember rightly. We did a very, <laughs> very high level. And, and we've just been, they've just reapproached us. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> I have to go through that process all over again. Let we're me look very, at my own power. We're a very relational channel, which is interesting. Yes. Anyway, so it's uh, it's funny, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't have long left on the podcast, just for time and stuff like that. But yeah. I don't I don't want to leave 
um, without talking a little bit around uh, um, the kind of the because you started us on on the allergy to flour, but actually. Mm just to speak to briefly about how the amount of analysis we can have and even the language, even the kind of model we laid out in the beginning of this podcast can uh-huh. become an obstacle yeah, to navigating sure. power, you know? So I feel like a, a lot of the analysis, whether it's from the social justice perspective or the equity perspective, or even an organizational structure perspective, mm-hmm. these become things that become codified in our heads. Mm-hmm. They become, uh, uh, concretized, you know, and then we begin mm-hmm. to become inflexible and we start seeing power only through those lenses and our understandings of the relationships that get placed, take place, just get like plopped into those buckets. Right. And then suddenly we're not dealing with power at all. All we're doing is like fitting the world into our little analysis of what we think right. power is. There's an inability to actually adjust or readjust or learn through the circumstance. So I just want to, I just kind of want to raise a little flag around Something about curiosity in the face of power. Mm-hmm. Something about the ability to learn. The that um, that I feel if we, if we can't bring that into our conversations around power, um, I don't think we'd even be in relationship. To be honest, yeah. like you and me. Like if you think, you know, I don't think I would be in relationship to my ancestors in the same way I am now, and engaging in some of the work I am now around shifting power. So there's something about that. none of us resting in our analysis that feels very important to me that just this like i feel like one of the essential ingredients of engaging with power is curiosity i think you're right i think you're right and i um and so it's kind of like if you don't engage around power at all like um the invitation is to get curious around how power is playing out in your organization and in your work and right. like get right. curious about it and if you if you do if you have a sophisticated discourse around power then i think the invitation is to to really uh, look at where that's helpful and where it forwards your work and where it might be holding you back and what else can you get curious about? Right. It just feels like, but let's like, let's don't pretend it doesn't matter. And let's uh, also have some agility with it and some flexibility with it. Yeah, I've got the song this week, mm-hmm. and it will surprise no one. It is, uh, Tim sang it at the top of the podcast. It is uh, The Power by Snap. Uh, so hopefully... <laughs> So hopefully it's playing right now. So Tim's rendition is not the only version we're hearing. I just no, it's great. It's perfect. Tim, we might be old enough to call it a classic. Are you, I think it's, it's definitely prob- it's up there with Push It. Right? Yeah, but it's later than Push It, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Is it not? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to call it a classic. It snaps the power. And if you uh, are anywhere close to our generation, you're going to appreciate it. And you might be slightly embarrassed that you do. But please have fun. It will be on the Spotify playlist. I just put it on in the kitchen and, like, dance while you're cooking dinner tonight. You know what I mean? Like, snap. Yes. Snap, I got the power. Put it on in the kitchen and dance while you're cooking or heating something up. or And then maybe your kids will start dancing with you if you have kids or your partner or, or your parents. 
I mean, it's just one of those tunes. You've got to move to it. I think that's amazing. In fact, I'm about to go make myself some lunch. I'm going to do it alone in my kitchen because my kids are not with me right now. But that's all right. I'm still going to do it. So you have a poem for us today, huh? This is a poem called Sometimes by Sheena Pugh, uh, roughly written around 1950. Sometimes things don't go, after all, from bad to worse. Sometimes muscadel faces down frost. Green thrives, the crops don't fail. Sometimes we aim high and all goes well. A people sometimes will step back from war, elect an honest Mm. man, decide they care enough that they can't leave some stranger poor. Some men become what they were born for. Sometimes our best efforts do not go amiss. Sometimes we do as we were meant to. The sun will sometimes melt a field of sorrow that seemed hard frozen. May it happen for you. I love it. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. I'm so glad it's going to go in the show notes. I would have had to ask you for it. Yeah, there's a That's super, nice one. super book called Poems on the Underground, which are in the, on the underground in London, they used to put poems up on the, on the advertising. Oh, is that right? And it was one of them, yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love it. I love it. All right, friend. That's it for this episode of Find the Outside, the podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast and share it with your friends. New episodes of the podcast are available every second Tuesday. If you'd like to get in touch with us about something you heard on the show, you can reach us at podcast at findtheoutside.com. You can find links to any of the resources, poems, books, songs we mentioned during the show in the show notes for this episode over at findtheoutside.com backslash podcast. Um, all the episodes from all the seasons are up there too, which is awesome. I was just checking it out the other day. Um, in the description of the podcast or in the podcast app, podcast app you're listening to if you want any of the content. And as you go to that podcast app, please leave a rating and review the podcast mm-hmm. and share it, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You can also find the songs we played in today's show, Snaps the Power, and every song we play. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I thought for a second we were going to get through it, but that's all right. Oh, <laughs> so you can find that song and every song we played in previous shows on the playlist we created on Spotify. Just search Find the Outside on Spotify playlist, or you can find a link over at findtheoutside.com slash podcast. This podcast was edited and produced by Mark Coffin, our patient Mark at Sound Good Studios. The theme music for Find the Outside, the podcast is by Gary Blakemore. I got the power. Have a, have a great one, friends. <laughs>